Good day. Welcome again to our Bible study. We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, in the book of Matthew, chapter 24. Today we'll be covering verses 9 through 16. And if you remember last week, just a quick review of what we did last week. Jesus was talking to his disciples. They had left the temple and they were headed to the Mount of Olives. And he sat on the Mount of Olives and he told his disciples about the signs of the last days and what we can look for, right? And he ended last week's lesson, we ended with verse 8, <clears throat> that said this, all of these things that he was talking about. In other words, don't be deceived because there's many that's going to come in the name of Yeshua, of Jesus, claiming to be the Messiah, he says. But they're false teachers, right? He also said to be aware of wars, plural, more than one war is taking place throughout the world as we know it today. Why those wars are going on, he also says, you're going to hear on the horizon of rumors of wars, right? So what he's saying is, don't be deceived because there's many that's going to come in my name. A lot of false teaching going on towards the end of the last days. He also says, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be pestilence and diseases in plural, right? There's going to be earthquakes in plural, natural disasters in plural. All these things taking place at the same time, but he says this, but this is just the beginning of the birth pains, right? So what we're going to see is a continuation that Jesus is teaching on the Mount of Olives, right? The Olivet Discourse, some people might know it as, and he's teaching on the Mount of Olives to his disciples and he's telling them, and we said this last week, that in verses 3 to 14 is very important because Jesus is speaking to disciples about disciples, right? What are those disciples? Those disciples that are in that generation when the end comes. And what end is he speaking about in verses 3 to 14? He's speaking about the end of the church age. And at the end of the church age, what event happens is the rapture of the church. And once the rapture of the church happens, believers are gone. Who's left? The nation of Israel and unbelievers. And this world is going to be in chaos. There's going to be instability in the world, right? That's when the wrath of God takes place. So open up your Bibles to Matthew 24. And we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 16 today. And Jesus is going to continue to give us insight of these birth pains, right? Now, the church will go through these birth pains. There's no escaping these birth pains. But the church will not go through the wrath of God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 states that, and we're going to get to that in today's lesson. So Matthew 24, verse 9 starts off like this. He says, Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and to be put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from their faith, and they will betray, and they will hate each other. And many false prophets will appear, and they will deceive many people. Because of the increase of lawlessness or wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm or endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation. Spoken of through the prophet Daniel. Let the reader understand. Then let those who in Judea flee 
to the mountains. So let's go back up to verse 9. And let's see, and let's break this down and see exactly what Jesus is talking about here to his disciples. He tells his disciples, then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and be put to death. So if you remember last week, he was talking about wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, diseases, earthquakes, natural disasters. Then he says, this is all the beginning of the birth pains. Then he says in verse 9, you'll be handed over and you will be persecuted and even be put to death. And you will be hated by all the nations because of me. So we see that if you're a believer in Christ, right? As the end times approach, you're going to see that more and more of this world, in other words, the flesh, they're going to hate you. They're going to persecute you. They're going to beat you. They might even put you to death, right? So we see and as believers in Christ that we are called to go through tribulation not the tribulation there's a difference and i'm gonna get to that in a few minutes but we're gonna have trouble we're gonna have problems so to speak right and we know about this because in the book of acts the apostle paul and barnabas talks about this acts 14 22 says strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to their faith we must go through many hardships to enter into the kingdom of god right you see what was happening is Paul and Barnabas, right? They were going around to different locations, right? In the Middle East. And they were planning churches, right? The Middle East and parts of Europe. They were planning churches. But a lot of these churches, when they would start off, they, Paul and Barnabas would stay there for a while to make sure they had, they had everything was going well, they was on their feet. But what would happen is the minute they would leave, this church would go through persecution. In other words... People would mock them. People would beat them, right? People would try to kill them, right? And, and, and Paul and Barnabas, what they did was they go back to this area where these people are being persecuted, so to speak, right? And Paul and Barnabas, what they did was they went there because they knew these people were being physically attacked. They knew that they were being targeted. They were being threatened, right? But they went there to give encouragement, to let the people know that as believers in Christ, that we will go through hard times and persecution, so to speak. Now, it teaches us a lesson here. The message is also in this, that there are dangers as believers that we face, right? But Paul and Barnabas are excellent examples for us what we should do as believers, even though we know we're going to face opposition, so to speak, from the enemy, right? Because they went into a dangerous place, to a dangerous environment. Why? To encourage believers so they can keep the faith and keep on preaching the word of God. Keep on speaking about the kingdom of heaven. To keep on believing, to grow the church, right? Because we as disciples are called to get people to do what? To grow in faith in Jesus, right? In other words, we are the church. So no matter how inconvenient or how uncomfortable, right, a task may seem, we must never fail to support believers, especially new believers. Why? Because they need our help. They need our encouragement, right? You see, it was an inconvenient and it was very uncomfortable for Jesus to go to the cross for you and me, right? But he did it. Why? Because of the love that he has for us. 
And He expects us as disciples to do what? To teach the Word of God, to preach the Word of God, to be a testimony to others, to be that bright light in that dark world despite opposition because Jesus went through opposition. Now let's go back to the verse and look what He says, right? Some of your Bibles might say, that we go through tribulation. So it says this, they will be handed over because of tribulation. And you will be put to death because of this. And they, you will be hated by other nations because of me, right? Now tribulation simply means trouble. Again, this is where a lot of people get it wrong. Because when they see this word tribulation, right away they think the church goes through the tribulation period. Or the great tribulation period. But notice it says tribulation, not the tribulation, right? There's a difference. The tribulation speaks about the last seven years on earth, according to the prophet Daniel, right? Whereas tribulation, just in general, speaks about everyday trouble. And as disciples in Jesus, right? As believers in Jesus, we will go through everyday trouble. That's what Paul and Barnabas, the message was in the book of Acts when they go back to these churches and they encourage these people, right? See, Jesus is saying this, because we are believers, we live by faith, not by sight. And because we live by faith, right, we need to trust in our God. We need to trust in Jesus. He says, because you trust in me, you will face trouble. Meaning you will be persecuted. You will be beaten. You will also even be maybe put to death because of your faith. And that's what Jesus is warning us here. Because look at the rest of the text. He says, you will be handed over and be persecuted. And you will be put to death. See, this is all leading up to the rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus with his bride. Right? With the church. So he's saying we're going we're gonna to encounter trouble. Right? We're going to be persecuted, beaten, maybe even be put to death. Why? Because you're a believer in Jesus. Right? And this is happening in the world today. Right? It's not happening here in the United States, but it's happening in the Middle East. Right? And parts of Europe where, where people, if you're a Christian and people know you're a Christian and you believe in the Messiah, you believe in Jesus, right? That they are beaten, they're persecuted, and some people even die because of their faith. And he says, you will be hated by the nations because of me. Because you believe in him, because you are a true believer, because you speak the truth, because you try to stand up for righteousness, right? You will be hated by the rest of the world. That's what Jesus is saying here, right? So to summarize this, he's saying this, that if you speak the truth according to the word of God, right? See, you will be hated. And we might face these oppositions starting today, some of us, right? If you're a believer. Or you have been facing these oppositions because you're a believer in Christ, right? Where people try to discredit you. People make fun of you. People mock you. People want to harm you and fight you, right? We need to understand that it's not really that person that's doing that, right? But, it, but it's Satan. It's the devil that's using that person. You see, just like Jesus uses ordinary person, people, or person to do extraordinary things or events, the devil does the same, right? Because you see, when you're not walking in the Spirit and you're not walking with Jesus, right? Then you are opening yourself up to be tempted and to be overtaken by who? By the devil, right? And if you don't believe 
all what I'm saying, right? We're at the beginning of the birth pains. And people say, how do you know that? Well, just look at things happening in the world, right? This last couple of years have been chaotic in this world, right? I, I, I made a reference to this last week while speaking to someone several months ago, and they said, you know, what's happening in this world today? This world's going mad. This world's going crazy. You know, and my response to that is it's just going to get worse. It's not getting better. And it's not what people want to hear, but it's the truth, right? I mean, look at the last couple of years with, with COVID-19. Look at the last couple of years where if you don't agree with a certain uh, governmental entity, so to speak, right? I'm not going not gonna to classify as independent, Democrat, Republican. You're going to get the message here. But if you don't agree with a certain entity of government, right, then you are the evil person, right? In other words, defund the police, they say. Defund the police. That's because one political group is trying to get their agenda across, right? And what they do, they spread hatred towards police officers, right? People, people that do what? People that that that, that come to us and, and support us and protect us, right? People that we are, we rely on to to protect and to serve, right? And and what they say. They say simply this right here. They say defund the police because they got a political agenda that they're trying to accomplish, right? Or if you don't agree with the movement of Black Lives Matters, then you was called a racist, right? You see what's going on today with the LGBTQ movement, right? And, and you wanted to teach that stuff in schools. If you're against that, then you're evil. See, as the days go on, what we need to understand and what we need to learn is what is good is really going to be called evil and what is evil in this world as we know it is going to be called good and people is going to support that people is going to turn away from the word of god people is going to turn away from the truth of god right now if you look at this verse this is how we know right here that this is end time prophecies that none of this stuff has ever happened that jesus is talking about right you see Verse 2, let's go back to last week when he was talking about the Temple Mount. And they were on the Temple Mount walking to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples say, look at all these buildings. They're beautiful buildings. And what Jesus said, all these buildings are going to be what? They're going to be laid one on top of the another, right? That was a prophecy that Jesus was given. Now that prophecy came true 70 in 70 AD. Some 40 years, right, after Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected, right? In other words... Under the emperor of Titus, the, the people, what they did? They rebelled. So what did the Roman government do? They had to take control. So they destroyed the city. They destroyed the temple. Now why am I saying that? Because look what Jesus says in this verse. He says, you will be hated by all nations because of me. None of this stuff has happened yet. What Jesus is talking about right now, verse 2 did. But from verse 3 on. To the rest of this chapter, in chapter 24 in the Gospel of Matthew, in the book of Matthew, none of this thing, none of these things have occurred yet. They will happen, right? That's why Jesus says these are the beginning of the birth pains, right? You see, what they did, they rebelled the people. It had nothing to do with the name of Jesus, right? So Jesus is telling us right here, and this verse and this scripture just, just gives evidence to us and, and more credence, I guess, that Jesus, what Jesus is talking about, 
never happened yet, but will happen in the near future. Verse 10. He says, at that time, many will turn away from their faith. And they will betray and they will hate each other. Now look what he says. At that time, many will turn away from their faith, right? See, a lot of people is going to come to the conclusion, right? Man, this is crazy to follow Jesus, right? This is crazy to preach in his name, to tell people about Jesus, to tell people about the kingdom, to be an encouragement to people. You see, most people that are alive at the end times, they're going to say they're believers. But when it comes down to it, when they look at everybody else being persecuted, being beaten, maybe even being put to death, that's what Jesus is saying here. That they're going to say, man, I didn't sign up for this. I don't, I don't want no part of this, right? Jesus is saying they're going to be offended. And, and they're going to turn away from him, right? In other words, they're not going to want to be persecuted. They're not going to want to be beaten. They're not going to want to die for Jesus, our Savior, right? You see, they will no longer want any part of Jesus because of the hardships, right? And the hard times that are ahead of them. You see, they wanted Jesus to serve them. But they didn't want to serve Jesus, right? Yeah, they loved Jesus because they wanted Jesus to work in their life. In other words, they wanted Jesus to cater to them. They wanted Jesus to, to answer this prayer that they prayed, right? And, and Jesus does that because He's the loving Father that we have. But when it comes time to serve Jesus, like we're supposed to be doing as disciples, right? As believers in Christ, we're supposed to serve not be served. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And if we're a disciple, we're to take on the character of Jesus. We're to take on the attributes of Jesus. Then what he's saying here is that when your life is threatened, in other words, when, when, you, when they say you're a believer and you say yes, you might be beaten, persecuted, or died. He's saying a lot of people is going to turn their back on me, he's saying, right? A lot of people is not going to want that, right? And let me ask you this question here. If this happens to you, if you're Put in a situation as a believer in Christ and somebody comes to you, right? A government official or whoever. Because this is where we headed towards the last days. That's what Jesus wants us to see here, right? That evil is going to look like it's prevailing. It's going to look like it's good because the whole world is going to be pointed towards evil and supporting evil. Again, what is good is evil. What is evil is going to be good. And somebody comes to you and says, you're a believer in Christ, right? But if you say yes, if you're a believer, then you're going to be put to death, beaten, persecuted. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to die for Jesus? That's what Jesus wants to know here because he's saying in the last days, I promise you, he says, many people's going to turn their back on me, right? Jesus is saying the majority of the population will fear. They will side with the rest of the world. So what's going to happen is this. They will turn on other believers. They will betray other believers. Remember what the Apostle John spoke about, right? He said there's going to be a large falling away from Jesus and in the Scriptures and from the truth of God, right? You see, these people really weren't true believers. And my question to you is, are you a true believer? Are you willing to die for Jesus because Jesus died for you? Are you willing to die for Him? And look what he says. They will betray and hate each other. So it's because of all of this that we will betray other believers, he's saying. You see, these last days will be a time of great deception. It will be a time of great deceit. 
And in this time of spiritual disobedience, right? Those denying the faith, those the betraying and denying their own brothers and sisters in Christ supposedly were supposed to be fellow believers, but they really weren't fellow believers because they turn on them. They betray on them. You see, they really didn't want to serve God. They really didn't want to serve Jesus. Again, in the end times, Jesus is saying there will be great great deception and he talks about that in verse 11 because look what he says and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people now this is the second time he says this in 11 verses he's been talk about this twice already so we see that there's going to be great great deception in the end times right in other words this is why we need to understand the Scriptures. This is why we have to have an intimate relationship with God through His Son, Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit, when you do that, gives you insight, right? He will teach you things. He will direct you to, through things. He's going to tell you when there's deception or when there's not deception, right? That's what Jesus is talking about. That's why it's important every day to spend time with Jesus. And allow the Holy Spirit to rule over your life. To guide you, right? To lead you. And Jesus is telling us here that the deception is not going to come from outside the church, but it's going to come where? From inside the church. And that's what the majority of the population is going to believe. They're going to believe this lie, this great deception. See, I read something a few months ago that said there's coming a time where you're going to have to pick between church and following Jesus. What are you going to pick? Are you married to a church? Or are you married to Jesus? Right? Because there's coming a time where their churches are going to start to become what? Polluted, so to speak. Right? That's why it's important you know Scripture. It's important to get in a good Bible-based church. It's important to get with a good Bible-based teacher that teaches you the Word of God so you won't be deceived that preaches the truth of God. And sometimes the truth of God stings and sometimes the truth of God hurts. It's not doesn't feel good what the preacher saying, what the Bible teacher saying, what the pastor saying, right? But that's the Holy Spirit convicting you to say you're in the right place. So when the Word of God pricks you, when somebody preaches the word and it stings right you kind of get offensive a little bit well that's the holy spirit that's in you that's trying to help you and trying to save you that's saying listening to him because he's speaking the truth of god he is speaking the word of god right amen verse 12 and he says because of this there will be an increase of lawlessness and wickedness and the love of most will grow cold he's saying right now this word lawlessness and wickedness simply means that which goes against the word of God. That which goes against the law of Moses, the commandments of God, the Torah, right? Now, there are two things that should come to our mind when we hear about the law and the Torah and the commandments of God. And what is that love, right? Because that's what God talks about. God, God says what? He gave the commandments and He said this, Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And He said, Love your neighbor, what? As yourself. So we see that the message that God gives in the commandments is all about love, right? See, the love of God, because we love God, right? And because we want to worship God and be pleasing to God, we're going to take on the character of God, take on the character of Jesus, and we're going to demonstrate that love towards others. See, that's the message of the law. 
You see, the law isn't an instrument of righteousness, meaning this. If I apply the law to the life of an unbeliever, so to speak, right? Let's just say that. It isn't going to produce righteousness in that unbeliever's life. What is going to show that unbeliever is how unrighteous he or she is, right? Because the law defines what is right and what is wrong. See, it isn't an instrument that makes one righteous, but it teaches what is righteous, right? So this is saying that there will be an absence of love in the world. That's what Jesus is saying here, right? And, and because of this, look at what else he says. The love of most will grow cold. You see, there will be no longer be mercy and compassionate, right? They won't be committed to love. They won't be committed to the, show the love of others, right? That's what he's saying here. So we can see that there's a relationship between lawlessness and the lack of love, right? But you see, when, when, when we esteem the law, in other words, when, when, when we allow the Holy Spirit to be a part of our lives, when we invite Jesus into our heart, right? Then we take on the character of Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying here. And when you take on the character of Jesus, you're going to take on the commandments of God, of Jesus. And, and the commandment that's greatest to Him is love. And, and, and because you love Jesus and God, you're going to love other people. And you're going to want to be an encouragement to other people. You want to be a positive influence in their life, uplifting. In other words, you're going to let the Spirit lead. But what he's saying here is this, in the last days, people are going to get away from following Jesus and following God and doing what's right and being righteous and holy. And they're going to follow the rest of the world. They're going to let the flesh lead them instead of the Spirit. And he says because they let the flesh lead them, what's going to happen? Their hearts grow cold towards people. They no longer have compassion. They no longer have mercy. They no longer have love towards people. He says you can expect this as we go through these birth pains and as we get towards the end times. Verse 13. But the one who stands firm, some of your Bibles might say endure, to the end will be saved, right? Now, this is not telling us how to find forgiveness of sins. That's not what he's talking about here, right? Understand this, that the one who isn't saved, right? One's not going to be saved, so to speak, because he or she endures, right? Because he or she lives through all these difficult times. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying that the one who stands firm, in other words, endures. You know what endure means? Demonstrate faith. Trusting God. Believing in God, right? So what Jesus is saying here is that if you trust in Him, if you believe in Him, if you have faith, in other words, despite all these things that are happening in the world, People coming against you, you being persecuted, you being beaten, you being put to death, right? Because that's what's going to happen as we get towards the end times, right? Going to be more and more evil that looks like it's going to be prevailing, right? But Jesus says, if you endure, if you don't give up on me, if you don't turn your back on me, despite what the world throws at you, despite the heartaches, right? The persecution, the beatings, the killings. If you stay true to me, he says, victory is yours. That's what he's saying here. You will be saved, right? And you might be saying, well, 
What gets you to be saved is faith in Jesus Christ. Which means this, you don't turn your back on Jesus. Which means you are fully committed to Him as a believer. That's what that means. That you don't fear the world. You don't fear government. You don't fear politicians. You don't fear disease. You don't fear death. That's what he's saying here, right? And when you, are, when you truly trust in God, it does not matter what's going on in your life. Because a lot of people say, you know, I'm afraid to die. Well, if you're afraid to die, then you're not a true believer. I'm just telling you the truth here, right? Because where we're going is a whole lot better place than where we are now. Sometimes I think this, this earth that we live on is hell, although it's not. But it sure seems that way sometimes, right? So the place we're going next is way more important than the world that we live in today. Because where we're going next is forever. It's for eternity. Right? See, none of us are going to escape the first death. We're all going to die. But we have that choice to escape the second death. And that second death is what? Being condemned. Being judged. In other words, being put into hell. Right? You have that choice. And that choice is believing in Jesus. That choice is fearing God and only God and nothing else because that's what the Bible tells us to do. The Bible tells us fear not. Do not be afraid over and over and over. You can look in the book of Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation. God says, do not fear, fear not, do not be afraid because you're only supposed to fear God and nothing else. And Jesus saying right here that if you have faith to the end, you endure, he says, you will be saved, right? Now, what end is he speaking about here, you might say? He's speaking about the end of the church age, right? And how does this end? It ends with the rapture of the church, right? That's what he's saying here. Verse 14. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Look what he says. And then the end will come now here again he's speaking to disciples right about disciples right now when it says in here he's speaking about the end of the church age and that happens with the rapture of the church so what he says here is this and this gospel of the kingdom now we need to see that the gospel or the good news about redemption has kingdom implications, right? You see, you can't recognize the kingdom if you're not emphasizing a kingdom reality or the promises from God, right? He says this, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as the testimony to all nations. So we see that the gospel message is being taught throughout the world, right? And this is happening today. But Jesus is saying at some point, right, when all these, these nations have heard the Gospels. Now, nations could be mean what? Country or kingdom. But it also could mean ethnic group, right? So he's saying when, when, when all the nations from around the world have heard the Gospel, and you know that this Gospel is being preached today throughout the world, but at some day, when all the nations have heard it, they had that opportunity to convert, to be a Christian. That's what Jesus is saying here. 
then the end will come. That's when the rapture of the church is going to take place, right? See, the church today is sort of like a roadblock, you can say, right? Towards unbelievers. Just imagine today if believers would not be here on earth. Can you imagine the evil and the wickedness that would be taking place today? I, I mean, some of us, we're looking at what's going on in the world today and we're saying, that's evil. This government is corrupt, right? Our government is corrupt. How can they say that? Lie, bold-faced lie to the people, right? That's pure evil. That's pure straight from the devil. But we're here to stop some of that stuff. Just imagine the church not being here. See, and that's what's going to happen when the wrath of God takes place. The church is removed. Evil is removed from this world. And who is left? Unbelievers and the nation of Israel. Those Jews who have not come to faith in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Right? Now, I want you to understand this. Verse 15, he's talking. He's no longer talking to disciples. What he's doing in verse 15, he's talking to the Jewish people that are in Jerusalem at this time. When all of this is going to take place. Right? Because the church is gone. Remember that. So from verses 3 to 14, he's talking about the church. And he speaks right here after the gospel is preached throughout the nations, throughout the whole world. Then the end will come. What end is he speaking about? The end of the church age. But there's still what left? There's the wrath of God to take place. The rest of the tribulation, so to speak. Like people say, the great tribulation, right? Verse 15 says this. So when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Now this is highly informative verse here. Why? Because it speaks about an event that we need to understand. An event that's going to take place, right? We need to know when it's going to take place. How exactly it's going to take place. What are the implications from this event that will take place in the future? So let's go back and kind of review. And get a correct picture of how this chapter is unfolding. Jesus in verse 1 departs from the temple. In verse 2 his disciples come to him and they speak about the buildings on the temple mount. And he responds that all of these buildings that you see, although they're beautiful now, every stone will be left one upon another. And he was right. Because that was a prophecy that took place in 70 AD, 40 years after his death. When the Roman government under the leadership of Titus destroyed the temple. Destroyed the city of Jerusalem. And the people went into exile, right? But we see in verse 3 there's a change because he goes to the Mount of Olives, right? Now we know that the Mount of Olives is going to play a very important role in the end times. And why is that important? Because this is where the establishment of the kingdom of God will be ushered in, right? Because we know when the Antichrist comes into power, he's going to make a seven-year treaty with the nation of Israel, right? Now, we understand this, that when all these things are going on, all these birth pains, there's chaos in the world. There's instability in the world, right? There's going to be a correlation of Muslim countries that rise up. See, a lot of people think that the Antichrist is going to come from a Muslim nation. That's simply not true. It's not going to happen, right? Because Muslim hates Jews. They hate Christianity, right? 
And they say every day that they just want to annihilate the Jews. They want to take them off the face of the earth. So they're not going to come rescue the Jewish people. They're not going to come to the aid of Israel. But scripture tells us in the prophet Zechariah, in Zechariah chapter 14, what happens at the end times, right? So there's going to be a nation of, of Muslim countries that unite. And they're going to start ruling the world. And this is going to happen shortly. I mean, very, very soon, you're going to start seeing a core. Like, Iran is going to start with Iran. I'm just telling you that now. That's in prophecy. So keep an eye on Iran. Because Iran will become strong as the days go on. Right? And again, if you look at prior administrations giving millions and millions and billions of dollars to Iran, they're stockpiling nuclear and chemical weapons. Right? Who helped them do that? You need to know, look no further than our government several years back. I'm not talking about Trump, before Trump, right? They, they were aiding Iran. Iran is building up power right now, right? And, and soon to be, they will rule the Middle East. And they will start working their way, what, towards Europe. And it's going to seem like in the last days that this is a powerful group of people and they're going to team up with seven more kings because Daniel talks about that in the book of Daniel there's going to be ten kings at the end ten kingdoms that rise to power it starts with the coalition of Muslim nations those three or four nations and the world is going to seem hopeless Israel is going to seem hopeless because every all the nations are against Israel because this ruler, this kingdom of Iran, or the Muslim nations, Daniel calls them the what? He says, at the end times, what's going to happen? You know, this nations, these kingdoms will rise up, right? It seems like he's taking on the world, and the world is hopeless, but this shaggy goat rises up. This one empire rises up, and we know this one empire is going to be of European descent. So it's going to come from Europe, right? Now, if you go back and you read the Greek text, it was it was from the Greek one when one of the Greeks, when they when they conquered the world, right, so to speak. Part of the world that they conquered was Europe, right? And we know from the Book of Revelation that this beast, this empire that the Antichrist is going to come from, there were once was the seventh beast, but they. No longer were, but the seventh is going to become the eighth beast again, right? That's what the, the Apostle John talked about in the book of Revelation. This is going to come from Europe, the Antichrist. This nation will be a European nation. It will not be Muslim, right? And he will come to the defense of Israel. And we also know this, that this Antichrist has to be of Jewish descent. Because when he comes to the nation of Israel, to their defense, the nation of Israel is going to say, that is Messiah, Ben David, who we've been waiting for. They're going to think he's the Messiah. And he's going to have Jewish descent because that's the only way they think he's the Messiah. He's going to have Jewish background, right? And we're going to get to that when we get to the rapture of the church and the end times later on in Matthew 24. I'm going to discuss more of this and where, where I think this Antichrist is coming from, right? But for today's study, just know that this Antichrist, this beast, this empire comes to the aid of Israel. He makes them sign a seven-year treaty. And I think this guy is going to, this empire is going to fund the third temple that's going to be built in Jerusalem. Right? 
And we know what happens. The first three and a half years of his reign, right? He's gaining confidence of the people. He's bringing a little bit of stability back into this world. Right? People like him. He's deceiving towards people. He can speak well, right? He's a likable person. And the whole world is going to fall in love with this man. That's what the Bible says. The Bible teaches this, right? And what's going to happen? At the three and a half year mark, right? Of the prophet of Daniel, what Daniel says, he will go into the Holy of Holies. Not just the temple, but the Holy of Holies that is the most sacred part of the temple. And he will declare himself God and worship me, he says, right? That's what he says, right? So, so we see here that when that happens, what happens to the Jewish people? They realize they were fooled. They realize that what? We've been deceived. And there's going to be a third of the Jewish people, a remnant, that's going to flee to the wilderness, the Bible says, which I think is in modern-day Jordan, Petra. But two-thirds of the Jewish population, the prophet Zechariah talks about this, will not flee. They will be destroyed. They will die either through famine, through pestilence, or what? Getting killed, getting mortared, so to speak, right? And that's what ushers in the wrath of God when they rebel against the Antichrist, right? So Jesus is speaking to them about the last days on the, on the Mount of Olives. Why? Because those third of the people of the Jewish people that flees to the wilderness, they're going to cry out and repent. And they're going to realize and they're going to look upon the one that was pierced and they will realize they were wrong, that he really was the Messiah. And they're going to cry out. They're going to cry out and they're going to recite Psalm 118. That says, blessed, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And when this happens, we know that what? God the Father sends his son Jesus to come back down to earth with the church, with us believers. To do what? To condemn the evil nations. To condemn the wickedness. To get rid of the wickedness. He lands on the Mount of Olives. That Mount of Olives splits into two. It forms a valley. And that valley eventually ushers in the eternal kingdom of God, right? So he's on the Mount of Olives speaking about the last days. So we see a significance, an importance here of why he is doing that, right? And he says, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, right? Famines, earthquakes, pestilence, right? Natural disasters. All these things will bring instability into the world. He says, you're going to be persecuted if you're a believer. You're going to be delivered and handed over, right? All in the name because of me. You're going to be facing death. But he said, the end is not yet. The one who perseveres, the one who endures, victory is theirs. In other words, the one who stands firm, who believes in Christ, who doesn't turn their back on Christ, right? He says, and once the gospels of the nations, all of the world, all of the nations, all of the ethnic groups, once they hear the gospel preached, then, he says, the end will come. The end he's speaking about is the end of the church age. So when he talks about the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, what is he speaking of here, right? He's telling us, see. He's telling us, be on the lookout because something important is going to happen. The abomination of desolation. He's this mentioned five times in scriptures, right? It's mentioned first in the book of Daniel, 9.27, and Daniel 11.36, right? 
This is what it says. He will confirm a covenant with many of one seven in the middle of the seven, speaking about the seven-year tribulation. He will put an end to the sacrifice and offering. And at the temple, He will set up the abomination that causes desolation until the end. That is the creed is poured out on Him. In other words, in the middle of the seven-year tribulation, He's going to go into the Holy of Holies, declare Himself Lord. Daniel 11.36 says this, The King will do as He pleases. Speaking about the Antichrist. Exalting Himself and claiming to be greater than every God. Even blaspheming the God of gods. He will succeed. But only until the time of the wrath is completed. For what has been determined will surely take place. Right? Now again, this is speaking of Daniel's 70th week, right? Remember, one week equals seven years. We have gone through 69 years, right? In other words, 69 weeks, you can say, so far. So what's left? There's only one week left, that one seven-year period, right? This is speaking of the last seven years, which a lot of people know it as the Great Tribulation, right? And I told you, it consists of that temple that's going to be built in Jerusalem, right? And at the three and a half year mark, the Antichrist goes in, declares himself Lord, right? In Daniel 12, 11, this is what it says. From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. This is speaking about the three and a half year mark, right? So it stops the daily sacrifice is when the Antichrist goes into the Holy of Holies, which is called the abomination of desolation and calls himself God, declares himself God, right? Then we see it a fourth time that Jesus is speaking about this in Matthew 24. And the final time is when the Apostle Paul speaks about the rapture of the church. More specifically, he calls it the day of Messiah, right? He's speaking to the Thessalonian church, right? Because the Thessalonian church, the people in that church were concerned that they had missed out on the blessed hope. They had missed out on the rapture, right? Because they were being persecuted. They were being beaten for being believers in Jesus Christ. So they believed they had missed out. They were left behind. But the apostle Paul comes to them and he reassures them, you have not been left behind. You did not miss it because the Antichrist has not yet been revealed, right? You see, what we're going to see is the world's going to be in chaos. The world's going to be looking for a leader to lead them through this world, right? And the entire world will come against Israel in the last days, but this leader of this European empire will rise up and defend Israel, right? He's going to build the temple. He's going to sign that seven-year treaty with them, but in the middle of that seven-year agreement, at the three-and-a-half-year mark, he's going to go into the Holy of Holies, declare himself God. He will turn on the Jews, and when he turns on the Jews, those two-thirds that stay, the prophet Zechariah says, it's going to be more devastating, right? Than the Holy Cross. It's going to be the worst time for the Jewish people ever in the world. That's what the prophet Zechariah says, right? Some scholars believe sometime after this happens, right? No one knows the time. No one knows how long. But a lot of scholars believe that the Rapture of the church is going to happen then, right? There's some people who believe that the rapture of the church is going to happen before this happens, right before the abomination of desolation. But there's some people that believe that's going to happen at the seven year, the beginning of the seven year tribulation. Some people believe it's going to happen post tribulation. 
Everybody asks me, what do you or what do you believe? You know what I am? I believe in pre-wrath. That's what I believe. I believe that the church won't be here before the wrath of God. Do I believe we're going to go through these birth pains? Yes, I do. Because Jesus said that in Matthew 24. I believe that. But we will not go through the wrath of God. Why do I say that? Because 1 Thessalonians 5.9 tells us that. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a lot of people, right, that, that, that believe in post-rapture. And they look at this scripture and they say, oh, that's just one scripture. That's not, what, that's not what the Apostle Paul means. That's what God means right here. God wrote this in scripture. And what God says, God never goes back on his promises. And God promises us through the Apostle Paul here that we won't suffer. The church, if you're a believer in Christ, you will not suffer the wrath of God. But you are promised salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So the church will not be here for the wrath of God. We will be raptured up. And look what he says at the end of this verse. This is spoken through the prophet of Daniel. Let the reader understand. You know what Jesus is telling us here? That we need to be people who understand the word of God. We need to be people that have a godly understanding. People who know and understand truth. In other words, we need to study the Word of God to show ourselves approved to God. Amen? Last verse for today, verse 16. Then those who in Judea flee to the mountains. Now then means after the abomination of desolation. That's what he's letting us know. Then those who are in Judea. In other words, after the abomination of desolation happens, flee to the wilderness. He's saying flee to the mountains. And we do know from the prophet Zechariah that one-third, a remnant of the Jewish people will flee. And when they flee, the Bible says that God will put an armor of protection around these Jewish people. But two-thirds of the Jewish population will not flee. They will go through the wrath of God. They will be persecuted. They will be beaten. They will be starving to death, right? But those one-third that flees to the mountain, that flees, which I believe is in modern-day Jordan, Petra, they're going to repent and they're going to cry out to God. They're going to quote Psalm 118 and say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And when this happens, we know that Jesus is coming back for his church. He's coming back to condemn the world, to pass on judgment to the world, to bring, to get rid of evil, to get rid of the wickedness, and to set up his eternal kingdom, which, which begins with the thousand year millennial reign. And that all begins on the Mount of Olives in that valley that when Jesus comes back, that valley splits. He is ushering in the eternal kingdom of God. Amen. So with that being said, that ends our Bible study for today. We'll be back next week. We're going to continue on looking at what Jesus says about the end times in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 24. Until next week, we really appreciate you all listening to us and tuning in. Go be the light in this dark world. Go bring encouragement to someone this week. We love you. God bless. Amen.